you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks. Thanks for taking the opportunity to let this broadcast come through your airwaves, be part of your life. It means a lot to Kevin and I. And Kevin, I, I mean, how many times have we said it's so awesome to have this mantle? Yeah, not enough, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were just talking about gratitude during, you know, the, the pre, uh, the the, the pre-broadcast, but yeah, brother, what an awesome opportunity and a, and a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And we love that folks. We love this opportunity. We'd love to help you. I know sometimes as we get near the end, we're talking, we're riled up. Our spirit is steered. We're ready to bounce off of walls and, and, uh, uh, but we just always want to remind you, Doug at woundedspirits.com, Kevin and Rob out there on Facebook, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you today. Here we are at this subject. I kind of hit on this a little bit on yesterday's broadcast, but entitlement, these people, narcissists feel as though they're entitled to everything everything they want. They're entitled to everything. I was not joking with you. I am not lying. I am not exaggerating. When I tell you my phone rang one day and it showed that it was a law firm and I answered the phone and it was a voice that I was familiar with that said, Hey brother, I'm going to be in town next week. We can go to lunch anywhere you want. And I'm thinking to myself, Hey, I met this guy once and it wasn't like a great meeting. I think I bumped into him, uh, going to the latrine in our church, you know, and said, Hey, and uh, all of a sudden he wants to take me to lunch. Now in, in Greenville world out here, there's a ton of really good restaurants. Even at lunchtime, you can drop a couple hundred bucks on lunch. And I said, what in the world is the motive of wanting to take me to the chop house or something for lunch? And then he said, and what we're going to do is we're going to sign over your books and curriculum uh, to this particular pastor in ministry. Folks, if that's not an example of entitlement, if that's not an example of what we're seeing out there, you see pride goeth before destruction and a haughty, meaning arrogant, but stronger biblically spirit before a fall. And it's against the dangers of pride and arrogance. It's against the dangers of entitlement. It's just saying, hey, there's some problems out there. And when you see that type of pride, uh, destruction's coming. And, and you get to make a decision. Are you going to be part of this destruction? Are you going to say, well, take me to the chop house and, and you know, buy me a $54 aged uh, filet mignon a la carte. And then let's load a $14 salad on top of that and one of those 17-pound baked potatoes. And, and, and folks, well, at the, in the meantime, I'm going to take everything I've built my entire life and sign it over. If that's not the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life, if that isn't entitlement, if that isn't the devil, I don't know what is, Kevin. I mean, it, I can think of in my life no better picture, nothing that unprofessional, nothing that ungodly, nothing that off base ever happened in 26 years as a soldier in the United States Army. Not even close. People in the Army, you know, they're just trying to make a difference. 
Uh, they're trying to serve their army, their president, their commander in chief, their country, and trying to do the right thing. Well, I'm here to tell you there's people who carry Bibles. There's people who wear a dark suit. There's people who wear the right tie. There's people with uh, pocket patches in. There's people wearing the right shoes. And, uh, and they're trying to take you for everything you got because they feel entitled, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking while you're talking, too, that um, – you know, they, I would call them the narcissists on the far right. They're the ones that are, you know, kind of, they're the citadel of right. They're the, they're the ones that are, oh, we're just, we're protecting the faith. You know, we're going to demonize you or villainize you or marginalize everyone who stands in our way. And uh, brother, there's a whole world that's starting to see through that kind of stuff. And it's toxic leadership. It's not a problem that exists because someone believe, professes to believe the Bible, it's wolves that are within the flock of people that believe the Bible. Oh, yeah. And, and so there's narcissists on the right. And then there's, then there's the, they're shooting, you know, their, their main claim to, uh, their right to exist and right. And their entitlement is because of, of they're so important to the cause. Then, then there's people that are on the left and they're just as phony and they're narcissists as well. And they're, they're the, uh, I call them the, the deconstructionists and these are toxic individuals who are out there saying, oh man, we need, I'm going to help the world recover from the narcissists in the church. I'm going to help everyone. I'm going to help split up families. I'm going to do all this damage in the name of Christ because, you know, the cause is so important, but you know what? It comes right down to it. They're guilty of the same narcissistic stuff. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it where, um, the same individual that says, Oh, you know, abuse, there's such abuse that goes on in the church. And so I'm going to help people escape the church or escape Bible believing Christianity because it's just full of abuse, but they themselves have, have beaten their own, you know, one-year-old child going on two black and blue to the point that the mother, uh, the, their wife, um, you know, she had to watch her children being taken, literally taken away, um, because of the, um, the, the actions of this guy who's so protective. And I'm just pointing out that on both sides, there's, there's people that exist and saying, Oh no, I'm entitled. I'm entitled to what I do because of this great cause of, of rescuing people or standing for the, the truth. And brother, if it's not, um, if it's not a humble servant, if they haven't gotten with God and said, God, I don't care about my own personal name here. I have making myself of no reputation and not that we're super spiritual, but if we don't at least say, God, you know, it's all about Christ and it's not about me. I, you know, I'm counted as sheep for the slaughter. I'm expendable. And, uh, if we don't come to that point, then we're going to be hyper protective and we can get into this narcissistic abuse. And, uh, you know, that same individual on the left who was shooting missiles at, uh, families and, and, and churches, um, was also, you know, saying, oh, these people are so legalistic because they have some standards and they, and they don't you know, they don't do some things and, oh, that means that they believe in righteousness by performance. But, and there are people that are like that. They're the narcissists on the right, but the, the, the guys on the, 
the one I'm describing, unfortunately, himself had cameras in his house. And uh, the individual in question, uh, actually, I heard him say with my own uh with my own ears, he said, yeah, one of our cameras, I, I watched, uh, one of the visitors, um, nude in my home, but she should have been in church. You know, she should have been oh. in church. And so my phone notified me in church and I watched her and, uh, and brother, it is just as wicked as a day is long because it's a sense of, Oh, I am entitled to do this for the greater good of, of, because I'm standing against legalists. I'm standing against these, uh, narcissists that are full of, you know, that have infiltrated Christianity or that are all over the place. And I'm just saying, boy, wise, wise we would be if we recognize that we're looking for, like you said the other day, Doug, in the broadcast, we're looking to get around people that just love God because yeah. there's a God in heaven yeah. who wants us to walk in truth. And folks, there's pastors out there, and you may be in one of those churches, but you can't see that through the forest, through the craziness. And and I'll tell you, give your pastor a chance, and uh, and and you know we can help you if you're not in our church. We can help you find a good church, and we yeah. can help you go to a place. And you know, as you were saying that story, as you were telling that. And I know it to be true. As you were telling that story, Kevin, in my mind, it came back to another Coach LeClaire-ism, my baseball coach from high school, who said, some people stink, and there's nothing you can do about that. And I, <laughs> yeah, That's there, narcissist. <laughs> yeah, there is something you can do about that. You can get away from the people who stink. And, and if you're yeah. married to them, you need to get biblical counsel. And folks, don't live a life of hurt. Don't live a life of pain. Don't be upside down. Entitlement with these people who feel as though they're entitled to everything in the world. It's so hard. Uh, and, and, you know, you can never live up. You can never live up to a narcissist. Uh, again, we've talked about it. And, and Kevin Apley put that you can never be the way they want you to be. And uh, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't fit their agenda. So what's the agenda? And, you know, quite frankly, the agenda is to be king of all. And when you're mm. king of all, you need servants. And when you're king yeah, of all, no. you need people to stroke your ego and say, boy, you're the fairest of them all. You're the best Shh. there's ever been. There's never been anybody like you in my life. What a great leader you are. You're so intelligent. I think you're brighter than everyone else. Boy, if you go down that road, uh, you can continue to be oppressed. You can be continued to be under someone's thumb. And all you are is a supply for that narcissist. And so really be careful out there, folks. And, and listen, we're trying to catch you before you go too far in this and lose your identity and forget you serve a wonderful God who has fearfully and wonderfully made you. Hey, we'll be right back. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And uh, boy, those words right there, Kevin, you know, you want to exalt yourself. 
you're going to be abased. There's nothing good coming out of you. But boy, if you're humble and you're sweet and you put me first and you worry about my people and you care for my people and put others ahead of yourself, you're going to be exalted, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a whole generation of, of people that have, that have lived, um, with a, a, um, they, they've lived to witness. I'm talking about in Christianity and particularly in, in Bible believing conservative Christianity. Um, they've witnessed leadership be exalted to the point of quote, the man of God is, uh, not only should he be above reproach, he's above criticism. And the Bible says he should be above reproach. He should be a, he should, he should have good report from them that are without, he should, uh, be blameless, but it never says he should be above criticism. It does, it does give the proper methodology to go to him because for the good of the organization, the good of the church, you don't go publicly and kind of make yourself the guy that's, you know, calling him on the carpet. And I've seen that take place. And that's a narcissist, a narcissist that usually does that. But, uh, there's, there's brother, I think we've seen a generation and, and I'm, I'm hoping that it'll, it'll balance itself out that, that, um, that these people are so self-protective that, um, they, and by the way, they're self-indulgent because they're self-important. They're self-indulgent. That comes with being a king. If you're a king in your mind, you can have a harem. If you're a king in your mind, you can have someone feeding you grapes while you lay in, lay in your hammock, you know, and fanning you and so forth. That that comes with the kingdom. Remember Paul, excuse me, Saul, King Saul, when he was uh, being brought in, Samuel said, I wish you guys would just follow God, but okay, you're going to have a king. So they wanted someone to run their lives and Samuel said, if he comes, he's going to own your lives. He's going to force you into service. You're going to feed him grapes. You're going to do And he didn't say that, but you're going to have a situation in your hands where you're getting more than you bargained for. And, uh, I think that, I think that we who are in leadership positions, we need to recognize that character dictates that when someone fawns over us, that's not that is, that's just their own immaturity. <laughs> I was thinking, Doug, that years ago I was watching, uh, that old green acres, uh, comedy oh, and yeah. it was just, yeah. So Eddie Arnold, who played Mr. Douglas is called into the local school in this one episode. And he's sitting up there on the desk and he's speaking to the people about farming. And, uh, and he's given us really neat 4-H type of, of thing, spiel about farming. And he's a good speaker. And, and there's this one teenage girl sitting in this high school class and she's just, she is so adoring him. She has a major crush on him. And she goes to him afterward and says, I want to be a farmer just like you. I, you just turned me on to farming. And that man, in, in that was made in the '60s, early to mid '60s. That 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 script was so written so that Eddie Arnold, you know, went home and said, "Honey, there's this girl fawning over me, and she wants to come over and visit. She wants to learn more about farming, and um, and I just want you to know that I just think she's being immature." And sure enough, and sure enough, and in, 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 by the end of the episode. There's another speaker, and he's in there talking about I, I don't know what duck hunting, duck hunting or something, and she's fawning over him, and she says, "I want to be a duck hunter just like you, or I want to be a whatever just like you." And so it's the idea of fickleness. You know, these people, uh, unfortunately, 
that are even in the ministry or in, in leadership position that drink in that praise. You know, the Bible says uh, we ought to purify our praise. You know, as it talks about as a guy, you know, purifies silver or something like that. So is a man who is praise. So we should have the wisdom to say, you know what, this fawning girl or this ogle-eyed person who thinks that, that, you know, I'm Mr. Wonderful or you're Miss Wonderful or, you know, the crush that someone has, that's a passing thing. We do not have the luxury, Doug, of, of taking time to say, this feels good. My wife doesn't give me this. I'm finally getting praise. And brother, I hate to say it, there's been a uh, generation that uh, hopefully is is starting to go away where people are are saying, you know what, that doesn't stand. Just because you're a man of God, you don't get the right. That's You don't get that privilege. You need to start showing interest in, you know, who put you in this position. And you need to forget about the people that are giving you this cheap stuff. Yeah. And you know, it reminds me, these people remind me of a play that I got to see on Broadway and I got to see on Piccadilly over in London. And this one song is my fair lady. And this one song was, I can do anything you can do better. And these people are running around saying, I can do anything you can do better. And I remember uh, it. Yeah. You remember that song? I, I do remember it. Yeah. Very catchy. I loved it. I mean, yeah. I, we just saw it probably five years ago in New York when it was still on Broadway. I can do anything you can do better, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, but exactly what Kevin said, a narcissist is a chameleon. They're so good yeah. at changing their stripes and changing their colors and changing their perspective. And anywhere you go, I, you know, you watch announcers sometimes on the NFL. I'm a little bit of an NFL fan. And, you know, I think this is the year for the New York Giants, but I think every year is praise God. We got four of them, been to five, but you know, I was I was watching this uh, this fellow. He was interviewing different people during a playoff game, and the Giants played Philadelphia, and they're not ready to play Philadelphia. They played in the playoffs. They won one playoff game against the mean old Vikings, and then they went up against Philadelphia and got spanked. But anyway, they were interviewing prior to the game. And, and this particular interviewer was saying, man, I love what you've done. Your team looks great. I'm so excited for you. You know, as he's asking the coach some questions, and then I don't know when, but it shifts to an interview he did with the other coach, and he used the exact words. I'm so excited. You know, you guys are great. I love what you're doing. You're perfect for this team. Whatever the case may be, I can kind of understand that when you're interviewing the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. But, folks, you know something's wrong. Uh, either you're the yeah. best person in someone's life or you're not. Either you're there um, because you make a difference and, and, and you're there to be part of someone's life and to grow together and to live together and to serve God mm -hmm. together, or you're there to be a servant. You're there to listen to them saying, I can do anything you can do better <laughs> or you're there to hear about how fat you are or how you're not a good worker or how the house isn't right or how your car isn't right, how you don't provide for them, how they provide all for you, whatever the case may be over and over again, this entitlement talk, it's just, I deserve better than this. I've done so much for you. When I met you, you were with your parents. You had never left home. Uh, I did all this for you, but they never remembered yep. the other side of that conversation, which is, I'll never forget where I was at when you came into my yeah. life. 
you know, I was in a bad place. You know, I often tell the story. I, I preach a marriage sermon out of chapter two of the book of John. And, and I often tell the story that, you know, when, when Debbie and I met, I mean, I was interviewing women to be my wife. That's how sad I was. I was calling women from a yearbook and stuff and saying, Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 21 years old. It's time, man. Uh, would you be considered to be interviewed? And, uh, you know, potentially I called 10 women and, and, uh, I, you know, I know Mercy. Kevin's heard this story, but I called 10 women from yearbooks, uh, you know, my class and two he younger than mine. I, I, I physically called. I personally picked up the phone and said, hey, this is Doug. How you doing? Would you be interested in going out with me? Oh, you're going out with somebody? Whatever the case was, I called 10 women. It pared down. Some people thought I was crazy when I asked them if they were willing to be interviewed with other women to be my girlfriend and potentially my wife. It dropped down to three. When I finally got everybody together, one of them looked at me and said, Doug Carriger, you pick me right now or I'm out of here. And she laughed. And uh, so then I got stuck worrying about two. Well, folks, the long and short of it is I met Debbie while I was figuring out which of the two because that's not how life works. God has someone perfect for us. And boy, we love them and we care for them, even in friendships, even in family, even in ministry. It's about love. It's about God. And uh, uh, it's a wonderful thing. Listen, we love you, folks. If we can do anything to help you, find me at Doug at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.